0: You have a good day yesterday. I, I love this season. I get to spend time with friends and family and just relax. I mean, everybody like stops what they're doing with their busy life and focuses on these things. And so I, I, this is my favorite season of the year because we get to slow down and spend time together. You know, I got some of the, some of the guys I work with, they, they really work hard. And having a week off to where they don't have to do cement work, concrete, it's like rejuvenation for them. You know. And so, it's a, it's a good time of year. So, I found out Friday that I'm speaking today. <laughs> so, my usual, like, week-long preparation did not happen. So, I stopped. Okay, God, what are we talking about? <sighs> and uh, so, I'm going to share with you what he started focusing me on. And the first thing he focused on, we've been a time where, where Dwayne has been talking about the promise for a while now, where different aspects of it. And we're designed to be filled with the Spirit of God and walk in the Spirit. For many of us in the room, we're challenged with what that looks like. Like stepping into that has been a challenge. And so I'm going to talk about something for you specifically today, but I also it's going to extend to every aspect of our life. And so... For the sake of those that are visiting and new here, I want to kind of back up the, tr- the, the truck a little bit and, and talk about what salvation is. See, here at New Life, we believe everybody's designed to be saved. Now, the problem is when I say that, depending on your experience in church or no church at all, you might have a different definition of that or have no idea what I'm talking about. And so let's talk about salvation. Salvation. Many churches, many theological approaches to it look at salvation as, you know, you're saved. Sorry, you're not saved. You know, and it's like, it's like an on-off switch or it's the stamp of approval, something like that. But scripturally speaking, that's not how saved is actually used. It's not how it works. In Scripture, salvation is more of the process of us becoming who we are. See, I've been saved, I'm being saved, I will be saved. You see all those contexts being used in Scripture, right? So if Paul is talking about how I'm being saved, right? I'm pretty sure Paul was already saved, like if I'm using the definition of stamp of approval, right? He was already saved before, so what is he being saved from then, right? So obviously, Paul didn't have the definition that I was saved, but I'm not being saved right now because he was still growing in his identity. So if you think of salvation that way, and that it has more to do with identity than anything else, then, then, then you start grasping what being saved is. I, see, I'm being saved from darkness, and I'm moving into light. I'm being saved from death, and I'm moving into life. Now, I've been walking this walk for, for quite some time, ever since I was about 19 years old. And I'm still being saved. Ask my son. He knows me enough to know there's some things I need to be saved from still. Right? I've had some things happen just this last couple of weeks that I just, I am like, ah. Oh. And I'm reminded that I don't agree with what's true about me and what's true about life and what's true about everything around me the same way God does. Because I wouldn't react the way I did if I thought the way God thought about things. So, consider this. I'm going to read a scripture to you. This is Mark 4 and 30. This is Jesus, right? And he said, "...with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the ground, it is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet, When it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the other garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in it shade. So what do you think it's talking about? Well, it's talking about the kingdom of God. But what if I was to tell you it's actually talking about how salvation is? See, you are the manifestation of the kingdom of god on earth when you step into your identity if you took all the people off the planet there would be no kingdom of god the kingdom of god is in people when people manifest into identity when we become like who we were designed to be that's how the kingdom of god is manifested in the earth we start looking like jesus we start expressing ourselves more like Jesus. We get more kind, more patient, more loving, more gentle, more long-suffering. We actually learn to love in ways that are beyond what we grew up with our natural parents. If our natural parents did not know what it was like to love from God's perspective, from, that, from being filled with the Spirit of God and having love generated from inside of us that is above and beyond what we can do naturally, If we haven't experienced God love us in a way that is so beyond what you normally would expect, because it's not based off of you being good or bad, it's just love. Unless you've experienced that, you can't give it away to people. So as the kingdom of God manifests in you, you start operating in a way that expresses the kingdom of God outside of you. So it's talking about the kingdom of God, but it's talking about identity, because it's who we are. So I got a prop this time. Don't always use props right? God interrupted me and he brought this prop to my mind. I thought, okay, I guess we're going to a prop this time, right? So yesterday, after I hear about this and I'm, I'm getting ready and I, yesterday I'm, I'm, I'm at the property and my, my son comes over with my grandson and he, he brings this out. And God reminds me of this last night. Does anybody know what this is? What is this? A remote-controlled car. Why do you know it's a remote control car? So, what if you were born 100 years ago? 1921. The, mortal, the Model T had been invented the year before, right? Cars have been around. Would you know what that is? Right? You, you would have an idea. It kind of looks like a car. It's kind of crazy looking, but it looks like a car. right? But if I pulled the switch over here, I'm afraid to do it because this thing goes really fast. It might not even work because I, I didn't even actually get trained on it. I'm not going to do it. Be like, if I pulled the If I pulled the trigger on it and it was 1921... You'd be, be, your mind would be blown. You'd be like, it's like bewitched or something. Like it's magic, right? What about if you went 50 years earlier than that? If I brought it out, you would have no idea what it is. But the reason why you know what it is is because you're familiar with it, right? Now, I was informed of my son. Like, this isn't just like the remote control car that I grew up with. This thing has three speeds. It has sort of fast, really fast, and super fast, right? Now, I don't know what it's like to actually use this car because I've never actually used a car like this. But I know enough about a car to say, you know what? I know it's a remote control car. I know what it it can, I got a pretty good idea of what it can do, but What if we're like the remote control car? What if we really don't know what we're designed for? What if we really don't know who we are? We think we know who we are, right? We think we know what we're designed for. We we, we think we can understand how amazing God made us, right? But if I was to ask you again, what do you know about this car? I'm gonna get different answers based off of your experience level, right? I look around the room, because I've seen how God's operated in my life. I've been walking this walk for a while now. I've seen what he's done with me. I've seen what he's done with Dwayne. I've seen what he's done with other people. I've seen what the people I've mentored, you know, people I've walked in discipleship with. I've seen God manifest in all kinds of ways. I've seen him in other ministries. I've known people intimately enough to see God is amazing when people, sh- when he shows up in people. See, I look at you and I recognize you are amazing. Now you might not agree with me, you might think, ah, oh, he's just saying that because he's like a pastor. He's supposed to say those things, right? What if I asked you this? What about the guy who made the car? Do you think he knows what the car can do? See, w- w- there's something about who you are that God is moving you into, right? And, and part of what makes this car so special Right? this would be special in 1921. It would be special. It wouldn't have to do anything, right? But part of what makes it really special is, it's not really what it's designed to be without power. Until you put power on this thing, it can never. It's a paperweight. If you don't know what a paper, all the younger people, if you don't know what a paperweight is, when you have paper on your desk, sometimes it can blow away. So you have a weight and you put it on the paper so the paper doesn't blow away. That's a paperweight. So it would be a great paperweight, kind of big for a desk, right? But when you add power with it, it's much more than that. See, you're designed for much more than you realize. This is what salvation is. He is moving you towards more of the reality of who you are. Every time you're stepping into more truth, every time you're stepping into, okay, God, really, you're saying that to me? I mean, he's moving you. That is salvation. You're experiencing more life. You're experiencing more light. You're experiencing more truth. Okay, now... I want you to carry that. So as you're stepping into this things, we, we, we describe it as, hey, what do I need, what do I need to do? Like, what, what is it God's calling me? Because you hear the preaching of the word. You, you, you might be at home and you're reading scripture. You, you might be talking to somebody and they're speaking to you. And the, this word comes and it's like, oh, God loves me. God wants me. God, geez, I can feel something like that. That's not me. It's something beyond me. And you, you feel the, the beginnings of salvation. It's like a seed. This seed is being planted in you. Now, there's another scripture. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's like crazy long. Most of you know it. That I've been to church for a while. There's the parable of the sower and the seed. The guy's throwing seed out, right? And there's four different kinds of ground, right? My point, though, is two of these grounds, one's stony and one is got thorns and stuff, Right? And, and in the parable, like, there's problems with that kind of soil. It doesn't really work very well to grow things in. But you know what's interesting about that kind of soil, if you've ever grown anything? You can take stony soil and you can change it. You can take thorny soil, and if you use Roundup, right, you can change it, right? There are things to change it. It's not impossible to change. It's just a struggle. And that's, see, that's what the struggle that we're in right now The struggle that we're in is there are things in the soil keeping us from growing at the speed we're designed to grow if all of that stuff was out of the soil. So the thing that makes the soil Powerful. If faith is the seed, if the word of God is the seed. So so remember, when we talk about faith here, we're talking about when God speaks to us, when we hear him, when a word comes from somebody, when the word's coming from scripture, when the word's coming from God, it's being communicated some way for us to receive it, and we have that, oh, that's the word of God. Faith is believing what God's saying is true. Right? So that's the seed. But you know what the soil is? It's hope. Hope is the thing that keeps faith alive and growing. Hope is where you're attacked at. See, we think we're attacked in our faith, and that's true to a degree, but I would say this. I would say our hope is attacked before our faith is attacked. And once our hope is sufficiently depleted, then our faith can get attacked effectively. And so I want to talk to you about hope today. So when I'm describing salvation, let me ask you this question. When does salvation begin? When does salvation end? Hard question to answer, isn't it? I would say until you're dead, it doesn't end. It starts as soon as the seed is being planted. Okay. Some of you are in here, you're struggling with, what I can't go to the next level. I'm struggling with the next level. I want to go... Higher. I want to be who I'm designed to be. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to discover what it's like to speak in tongues. I want to discover what it's like for me to be able to pray for somebody and see them healed, to see a miracle, to operate in prophetic, whatever it is, to have a good relationship with my spouse. Okay? It, it, it applies to anything. We want to move in, into areas where we know we're designed for because Scripture says we're designed for it, but we're struggling with it. The process of being in salvation is the whole process, but I do want to narrow it down specifically in this moment in time for those that are wanting to be filled with the Spirit of God. You are not unsaved. Any voice that tells you you're unsaved is lying to you. Okay? If the seed is in the soil, it's much the same way of how we impregnate a woman. The seed moves into the womb. Is anybody in this room, I'm not talking about like the culture in general, but in this room, would you say that when the the baby starts to form, that's your baby? Can you be any more a son or a daughter at that time than you are now? You see what I'm saying? At that time, would you say, oh, they're going to be more of a son in three months than they are now? Right? So just because you haven't shown up, ta-da, I'm arrived. Just because you haven't been filled with the Spirit of God, and you're like, "Ah, boom, shazam, I know I've got God inside of me now. Right? Are you less of a son in God's eyes? It's important for you to realize that. Because he's about process. Until you're dead, the process isn't over. He is more than capable of getting you through the process he has not got a problem with walking with you and being with you and doing what he does he he is the god that took care of everything that keeps you away from him and becoming who you are he took care of that on the cross so there's nothing keeping you from it except stones and thorns you see what I'm saying are you following me but those aren't permanent. Those don't keep you from it unless you allow that to keep you from it. See, you have control over this one thing. You don't have control over what other people do. You don't have control over God. We barely have control over ourselves, right? But you know what we, we can control when it comes to ourselves? Our hope level. We can control our hope level. That's where we apply our will. That's where we apply our will. When something is attacking my hope, that's the battle you're engaged in. When something is saying, no, you're not going to make it. It's all right. You're not going to make it. No one's heard that voice before, right? Everybody else is going to make it but you. Has anybody else heard that voice? I've heard the voice. Yeah. And this is a battle of voices. I'm going to throw this nugget out there. Some of you, it's going to be, Shoo! I don't know what he's talking about. But for someone that can grab it, this is big deal. This is all about voices. There's only three voices. There's your voice, the enemy's voice, and God's voice. Almost always, your voice is, is the voice of agreement. You're either agreeing with what the enemy is saying, or you're agreeing with what God's saying. Who is, whosever voice you would choose to agree with wins. It really is that simple. When you boil everything else out, that's basically what it comes down to. And the voice of God is always one of hope. It's always one of hope. He knows how he made you. He knows what you're designed for. He knows he can keep you. He knows he can carry you. He knows he can do the miraculous. He knows everything. And when he says, I love you, I want you. Is there anything on the planet that can keep him from actually receiving you? Only you. That's the power of your will. That's the power of your decision to choose hope. Because when you're in that battle and the stone's like, oh, the weeds are like, oh. When you go back to that space that says, you know what? I can do all things through Christ when Christ strengthens me. In his strength I can do everything that needs to be done. So quickly, I'm going to talk about water baptism. So, just in case you don't understand for sure, like 100%, why water baptism is absolutely the deal, part of this salvation process. This is, this is, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. There's a lot of churches, right? We all come like, we've all been affected by the Catholic Church. We'd been around for years and years and years and years and years. Then you have the Protestants, those that came out of the Catholic church. Then you have Holy Ghost movements that, that heard directly from God. They started operating in different ways. You know, and, and like God's been moving us more and more and more and more over time. But you still have churches today that are like, baptism's not necessary. And so I just want to address this real quick. This is, this is how I see it. There's a lot of opinions on it, right? But I want to give you three people's opinion that once you recognize they have an opinion on it, nobody else's opinion matters. It doesn't matter how many years they went to college, right? It doesn't matter how long they've been walking with God. When these three people have the same opinion on something, you're like, okay, that's it. I don't have an opinion under this one. First one's Paul. Paul had the opinion that baptism was important right? So there's this one place in, in, I think it's a verse 19 or chapter 19 in Acts. These guys come along, right? He, Paul comes up to them, man, hey, what's going on? Oh, these are like followers of Jesus. They're disciples of Jesus. Hey, so, so he asks this question. He's like, well, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they're like, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. That sounds pretty cool. And Paul's like, R-r-r-r-r. okay, so what baptism were you baptized under then? And they're like, "Well, we were baptized under John's baptism." And he's like, "Well, you need to get baptized in Jesus' name, right?" So he he rebaptizes them, right? Prays for them. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. They're prophesying, and they go on their way prophesying. Now, I am pretty sure Paul thought it was important for people to be baptized in Jesus' name, right? If he didn't, why go through all the trouble? He'd be like, "Hey, good. You guys are awesome. Have faith. Go on." Right? But he literally stopped what he's doing, stopped those guys, said, hey, we need to do this the right way. So Paul obviously has that opinion. How about Peter? Peter has the same opinion. Every time you see him preaching to somebody, he preaches to the Jews for the first time. Hey, you need to get baptized in Jesus' name. To the Samaritans, you need to get baptized in Jesus' name. He talks to the Gentiles, right? The first time anybody preaches to people who are not Jewish, right? He's preaching to them about Jesus and he's like, wow, man, whew. This is interesting. I didn't see this one coming. God just sent me over here to talk to these Gentiles. And, he, and then the Holy Ghost falls down on there, speaking in tongues. He's like, wow, I guess we better baptize them then. And so he baptizes them. Right. So every, every single time you see him baptizing people. So he believed it. Now, even more than those two, if you're still confused, if, it's, if this is important, Jesus makes this statement. In a resurrected body, teaching his disciples, he says, Those that believe and are baptized, the same shall be saved. So if you're still wondering about it, this is my position on it. This is Dwayne's position on it. If these three guys are convinced this is important, I'm just going to go along with that. Because what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to end up after this is all over. And Jesus is like, well, how come you didn't baptize people in Jesus' name? I didn't think it was important. I'm not doing that to him. That's just me. So I just want to throw that in there so you have some clarity around that. If you were confused at all, that's what we believe. That's why we believe it. Okay, now off of that side note. So let me quote quote this to you. So I heard this years ago. And so I'm going going to get back to going around why hope is so important and understanding the battle of hope. And and this statement here was, uh, from what I hear, I'm like third level back from the guy who originally said this, Francis Franzapan or something like that. He said this, if there is any area of my life that doesn't glisten with hope, then I am believing a lie. If there is any area of my life that isn't glistening with hope, then I am believing a lie. Think about what you're going through right now. Think about what you're struggling with. Do you have hope around it? Because you know what's different between faith and hope? Faith is very targeted. Like God's talking to me about something that's targeted towards that. Hope is very broad. See, hope carries some faith from day to day. See, when I have hope, God says something like, like, I am designed to be filled with the Spirit of God, right? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hope says, okay, I'm not experiencing it right now, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm not experiencing it today yet, but I'm going to experience it tomorrow. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to experience it. If it takes a week, if it takes a month, if it takes a year, it's mine, because he promised to me, I have hope for it. Now the enemy's talking to me about it, trying to tear my hope apart. But if I maintain hope, I guarantee you, I will bet money on it. Of course, it has to happen before I die, right? That was a joke. Some of my jokes are better than others. I know you're going to receive it because it's the nature of who he is. It's the nature of who you are. You were always designed for it. It's a matter of getting out the stones. So, in life right now, if you take anything away from this, I want you to take that thought. Any area of my life that is not glistening with hope is because I believe a lie. That alone is worth the charge of admission. Wow, that was another bad joke. Okay. Let me get too deep sometimes. For those that, are like, those that haven't been here a lot, like, I think one like two, the last couple times I preached, a couple of them back, I was actually really funny, right? And after I was done, I was like, wow, who was that guy? <laughs> yeah, there's hope. <laughs> so this is, let me give you a scripture, right? I'm going to give you Two scriptures. That, that, why, that first, that, that if there's anything in my life that doesn't glisten with hope, then I believe a lie. Here's, here's Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You know why he's saying this? Because if you, if you abound in hope, there's nothing you can't do in God you will always move towards your identity. It'll be from one glory to the next glory. If you abound in hope, you will continue to grow. Because what you're being challenged with is the challenge of taking away your hope so that you don't grow. I love this one, Jeremiah 29. This is God talking through the prophet. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. These are the types of things that God is saying to us now. The struggle that you're going through. Some of you are going through some serious struggles. Some of you are your health, health of your loved ones, financial situations that it feels like you are drowning in trouble. And hope is the battlefield. And as you maintain hope, joy and peace are also there with you. I can tell you my own life. I, 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 I have had situations over the last couple months. For those that don't know, I got a piece of property. It came with some people that don't want to leave. They really like the property too. And I'm trying, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, God, please. And there's so much frustration and I'm all frustrated. I'm like, oh, and you know, I'm like, okay, God, God, talk to me about this. He's like, why are you so frustrated? Where is your hope? And as soon as I move back into the space where God's like, I've got this. Don't worry about it. Relax. Joy comes. You're like, hey, I wish they would leave. Hi, guys. Good morning. See, it changes me. It changes me. And I'm pretty sure I know God enough to know he, like, set me up on this. Right? Because I needed this. I didn't think I needed it, honestly. He didn't ask my opinion about it. But he knew I needed this for me to become who I'm designed to be. Because I navigated this space. I have never navigated anything like this before. I needed it. So let's talk about these stones and these roadblocks. So, especially for those that are like, why am I not being filled with the Spirit? Give me number one. See, this is where the title comes from, Can I? I know you're wondering, like, why did he pick Can I? It was early on. God was giving me these first, and I'm thinking, it's Can I. You know, so, like, that's how we come with the title. So feel free to do a subtitle on this that explains it in a better way than Can I if Can I doesn't work. You guys get to see the inner workings. See, I have no problem talking about the inner workings of what it's like being me up here. Get the inside scoop on this stuff. So as we're... As we're struggling, there are some of you that want to be filled with the Spirit of God, and you're asking this question: Can I trust Him? But you don't know you're asking this question. This is something, oftentimes, these stones operate below our level of consciousness. We call it subconscious. Like it's something we believe, and we don't even know we believe it. It's something that that our heart is oriented in a way that we don't even recognize our heart orientation. So if you have found yourself in a position where you've grown up and when you trusted people, you were burnt over and over again, you won't even recognize it, but your heart does not allow itself to trust. It, it, you just don't know how to turn that on because you have spent so much time with it closed off. See, this is one of those stones that are in the ground that if you can get the stone out, something now can take its place and soil can take its place and, and so you can grow something now. See, and so you might be asking the question, can I trust him? Now, if you don't struggle with that, like if you ask me, I'd be like, absolutely, you can trust him. But that doesn't change the way you feel. And so the, the question might be, God, can, What is going on with my heart, God? Why can't I trust you? What's going on? See, if God, if Jesus is a healer, think about this. So Jesus comes and it says, he came preaching the kingdom and healing everyone. It's easy to record the healings that were physical, but I guarantee you he healed people spiritually too. That's why people were like, hey, let's follow this guy. Let me Leave my nets, let me heal. He had like 120 people following him around. It wasn't just 12. There's like 120 people following the guy around. He is a healer that he wants to heal what is broken inside of you. And he is in the process of healing you so that you can become who you really are. And some of that healing is going to take place before you can actually say, you know what, God, I surrender to you. I trust you. Give me number two. Now, these might seem the same. Can I give up control? But they're actually not the same thing. See, it's because there's some people that don't have control issues, but have trust issues. There are other people who have control issues because of trust, but they, their, their way of protecting themselves is a control. So I got to control things. Because if I can control things, then I, then I know everything's going to, you know, it's going to work out the way it needs to work out, and I'm not going to be hurt. And so as long as I can maintain control. And so that same thing in the heart that says, I can't really give up control, see, now surrender becomes an issue. Because if I can't give up control, I can't really make him Lord, right? If I, can, if I don't trust him, I can't really make him Lord of my life. Because if you understand what a Lord is, you're giving him control you're giving him decisions so a uh, great analogy is like if you if you want to see your walk with, with Jesus grow you need to get out of the driver's seat and let him drive because what we'll do is we'll be in the driver's seat and be like Jesus where do you want to go and he's like hey let's go over here and we're like no I don't want to go there but you know what happens if you ever discover that the the power of saying yes to him on things what you'll discover is once you get to where he's taking you you'll be like this is awesome I never would have gone here by myself. This is exactly the place I need to be. So what about the next one? You might actually struggle with being accepted. See, because you're so messed up, not even God would accept you. You could tell yourself that, you know, and so he's calling you, and, and then your reaction. And the enemy's like, "No, you can. he's not going to accept you. We're not, oh, He's not going to accept me." And I lose hope because I'm listening to the wrong voice, and I've never been able to hear him say how much accepted by I am and believe it. What, what about the next one? Can I live up to my part of this arrangement? You know, if, if you've been that person that you, you struggle with living up to your part, like I'm like all in until about three weeks into it, then I'm not so much. And I've done that over and over in my life, and I, and I struggle with that level of just be, you know, like commitment around these things, right? I, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to live up to it. So, so if, if I'm going to fail, let me just not do it. I've actually had a friend a long time ago that I, I spent a lot of time with. I love this guy, but he left because he just couldn't live up to what he thought the expectations were. And because he couldn't do what he thought God was asking of him, he 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 just couldn't he just couldn't take it anymore. And he gave up hope. And the next one is, is similar. Can I commit for life? Is what he's asking me? Can I commit to this? He might ask me to do something like really hard, like go to China. He might ask me to be like one of those missionaries that get their heads cut off. You know, our, in all of these areas, our beliefs about what we think is going to happen. Uh, how many people have been walking in this for more than ten years? Full of the Holy Ghost. Put your hand up. I want everybody else to see. Did you think it was going to be like this? Like, there's nothing. You were like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I was expecting. Nobody. It doesn't happen like that. None of what you think this is is what it actually is. Why? Because all you know are things that aren't true. Like you don't really know who God is. You really don't know what He believes. You really don't know who you are. You don't know who other people are. You don't know the situations you're actually in. You don't know nothing. We just don't know we don't know nothing. It takes time. You walk with them and you feel it out. But these are the lies that we believe. We believe a boatload of lies. And every time we overcome one of those lies, that's when we're we're able to walk in the truth. Hope. It's all about hope. He has no evil towards you at all. He has done everything. There's nothing you can do short of walking away that one he didn't see before you ever did it, and he still called you, and he doesn't have a way for you to overcome that. He's already died. If he is, okay, if this is who he is, if he is the lamb that took away the sin of the world, which sin are you doing that he didn't take away? But you... Kind of throw it out there for me. So if it's not your sin keeping you from him, what is it? It's your shame. Your sin is not separating you from God. That's an Old Testament concept. That's an old covenant issue. See, the new covenant is between Jesus and God you don't get to have a say in it. Your opinion doesn't matter. You didn't make it with God. You can't break it with God. All you can do is believe in Him. And when you believe, when you agree, when you follow, when you submit... When you give yourself over and you maintain hope that everything I'm going through, he has a way for me to overcome it. There's nothing I'm doing right now that keeps me from him. If I could just stop myself and turn myself back to him, he has a way for me to become the amazing person that I've always been designed to be. This whole message is a message of hope. That's why. It's full of hope. There's so much hope in the message of Jesus. It's like abounding with hope. It's overflowing with hope. All I need to do is like get into the hope, carry the hope. And when the enemy's trying to battle me against hope, I'm like, "No, That's not what it says. Your voice, no, I'm not listening to you anymore. You're a liar. Get mad. Like! Grr. I'm not listening to that. You know how, you know how, you, you know how your hope, you know when you know your hope is getting challenged? This is the indication. And remember, if anything is not glistening with hope in my life, it's because I believe a lie, right? So it is the lie that's coming after me, right? When I'm frustrated, how many people have had a high hope level and frustration at the same time? <laughs> You're like, I've got hope and I'm so frustrated right now. Right? right? When I'm angry, when I'm depressed, right? When I'm beat up, when I can feel the kingdom of hell operating in my life, because if the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of hell is the opposite of that. And when I'm feeling that and I'm, I'm agreeing with it, and I'm going, oh, yeah, oh, right? That's when my hope is being attacked. If you're confused, that's when you say, I'm not doing this anymore. And I remind myself of what's true, and I dig my heels in, and I choose hope. I'm telling you, you can do that. You have the power to do that. Nobody else has the power. See, the word that I'm bringing you is an encouraging word. I hope, anyway. If it's not encouraging, they probably won't let me talk anymore. Right? It's an encouraging word because it's reminding you of something that's already true. But more important than me reminding you what's true, what if you could remind yourself? What if you didn't need the guy up here, or a woman, to encourage you? That you could actually encourage yourself and find out what it's like to be the you that you're designed to be. So they asked me, like, how are you going to close?" I said, "I don't know." I didn't get that far in the conversation. So the music is going to start playing now. So there are sometimes... And I, and I would say, most times, I completely like the way we've been experienced, the, the power of God operating. Like, it's been like the closings have been awesome, right? God's moving. We can feel you know, Dwayne's preaching, and like God is speaking from him. And it's just like, ooh, it's deep, and there's deep waters. And you're like, let's go swimming. But it doesn't feel like that to me so much right now. Like, This is one of those messages that feels like, as I'm closing this out, we're, we're, that you just, like, God, let me just see how hope operates in my life. Let me, let me be more of that person that, that chooses hope. Let me understand that I have the power to choose hope in my life. Let him talk to you about hope, like like we're gonna come into 21 days of prayer, and if you weren't confused at all, we're not gonna start like Sunday evening. Or Monday we're gonna come back, so Sunday's like a, a we come and we do this, and hopefully you're praying, right? So, and then we start Monday. So Monday 6:30. So Monday 6:30, between now and then, God talk to me about hope. I want to know more about the stones that I'm struggling with. What's keeping me from entering into the next phase? What's keeping me from receiving your spirit? Because you're not withholding anything from me. You, you, you freely give it to him. But my ability to open up to you, God, is there anything keeping me from walking more in your spirit? Is there, is there anything keeping me from being overflowing in your spirit, from just being able to, to open myself up and receive from you? What is that, God? Because I'm not designed for that. That's not the real me because the real me looks like Jesus. The real me is designed to be full of you. God, talk to me about that. I I, see, I want you to answer. I I don't need you to answer the prayer. Oh God, I need the spirit of God, I need the spirit of God. I need you to answer the prayer, God, what's keeping me from becoming who I really am? Because then as I hear you on that, I have the power to submit myself to that voice and agree with what you're saying is true and pull that stone out to push those weeds back and to step into identity. So they're gonna pray some music. They're gonna sing a song. If you wanna come up, feel free to come up and pray whatever God's leading you. If you're ready to go, there's a lot going on this weekend. You are free to go, but be blessed and know that you can be full of hope. Amen. Amen.